A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hello and welcome to Breaking Down Bad Books, a podcast analysing trashy bestsellers from a literary perspective. And today we're starting a new book, James Dashner's The Maze Runner. That's right, it's a brand new book and I've never read this book. I had seen the movie, but I started reading it and I was getting a bit worried thinking, oh, maybe it's not that bad. And if it's not that bad, what am I going to talk about for a whole season of this podcast, breaking down this book? And then I got a few more pages in and I was like, oh yeah, it's pretty shit. (laughs) Don't worry. (laughs) Don't fret, Nathan. I think we'll be fine. So for those of you who haven't read the book or don't know the movie, I think the basic premise is some kid wakes up without any memory and he's in some sort of area and to escape that area, he has to go through a maze, but there's obstacles and... I don't know. It's it's in that series of YA novels that aren't really that well thought out, but it's just like all based on this premise. I think this came out like along with Divergent in that post Hunger Games wave, but this one's different because it's all about boys. It's all about the boys. It's for the boys. It's just about boys. And that's all I really remember of it. So let's get stuck into it. So chapter one starts by saying he began his new life standing up surrounded by cold darkness and stale, dusty air. Okay, so he's waking up in an elevator. It's never referred to as an elevator, but it's quite clearly some sort of elevator mechanism. And he's waking up, standing up, which is interesting. And what's also interesting is that this is a third person narrative. Usually in shitty YA, we're getting a first person narrative because I think it's easier to write that way, but we're getting a third person narration. So that should be a little treat for us. So then metal ground against metal, a lurching shudder shook the floor beneath him and he falls down at the sudden movement. Yeah, I don't know how you're standing up in an elevator when you're unconscious. He's not strapped to anything. He just woke up standing up. I don't understand it. So with a jolt, the room jerks upwards like an old lift in a mine shaft. Yeah, it's an old lift. Just call it an old lift. Don't say the room. (laughs) The floor shakes beneath him. He's hitting a metal wall. Just say you're in an elevator. Harsh sounds of chains and pulleys like the workings of an ancient steel factory, echo through the room as it, as it goes up. Yeah, okay, we're in an elevator. God, oh, we're really getting the whole breakdown of how elevators work. And so then he thinks, my name is Thomas. And the narrator tells us that was the only thing he could remember about his life. He can only remember his name. And I'm thinking, how does that work? And then the narrator tells us, his mind functioned without flaw. Well, seem, seems like there's a flaw, but knowledge flooded through him 
facts, images, memories, details of the world and how it works. You know, snow on trees, how to eat a hamburger, what the moon looks like, what swimming in a lake feels like. He remembers all of that, but doesn't know any personal details about himself except for his name. Yet he has memories. So I I don't know how he's got memories of all these things, but they're detached from him personally. I don't know what's going on. And it says, images of people flashed across his mind, but there was no recognition of their faces. (laughs) All right, so so they exist though. All right. And then the room continued its ascent. All right. Long elevator ride. Okay. And then listen to this. Okay. A long time passed. Minutes stretched into hours, although it was impossible to know for sure because every second seemed an eternity. No, he was smarter than that. Trusting his instincts, he knew he'd been moving for roughly half an hour. Okay, all right, so are you? were you lying to me when you said that it was impossible to know? Every second seemed like an eternity. No, it was half an hour. And then with a groan and a clonk, a clonk, interesting word, uh, the rising room halted. The rising room. It's an elevator. It's a mine shaft. It's an elevator. Like, oh, the rising room. It halted. And then that jolts him across the rising room. And then as he scrambled to his feet, he felt the room sway less and less. How often does anybody describe an elevator as a room? Never. Never. I'm sorry, unless it's got like an armchair and a bit of furniture, maybe some carpet and a window. It's not a room. So the elevator's gotten stuck. And then it says a minute passed Two. are you sure? Are you sure? Because apparently minutes stretched into hours and it was impossible to know, but he's also got some sort of uncanny body clock that does tell him the time. And then he's looking around the room. Well, it's pitch black, but he's feeling around the room and he can't feel anything, just metal. And he groaned, listen to this. Okay. He groaned in frustration, his echo amplified through the air like the haunted moan of death. Like, oh, so many words. His echo amplified through the air. Isn't that what an echo is? Like, do we need the explanation of the word with other words when you could just say the word? And I think I'll be saying, show me, don't tell me a lot because already it's like, Thomas is frustrated. And it's like, okay, show me, show me, don't tell me. So then Thomas starts screaming out. He says, someone help me. And then a loud clank rang out. A clank, we're getting a clonk. And then we're getting a clank. We're clonking, we're clanking. Are we clinking? Are we going to be clunking? So a loud clank rang out above him. And then a line of light appeared across the ceiling of the room. Of the room. And after so long in darkness, the light stabbed his eyes. Okay, and then he hears voices. And they're saying, look at that shank. Looks like a clunk in a t-shirt. You're the clunk, shuck face. Uh, Okay. Hope you enjoyed the one-way trip, Greeny. Okay, so the most annoying thing about this book so far is that there's this invented slang that is super annoying and grating that they all talk in shanks and clunks. And it's just like, okay, the narrator told us that Thomas has all these memories. He can remember hamburgers and snow-capped mountains and flashes of people and language. He remembers language. He just doesn't know who he is. So why are they all speaking like aliens? Their mind works perfectly fine, apparently, but so why, why are they saying clunk and skunk and shank and shink and shuck face? Shuck face? Was James Dashner just like too afraid to swear in the book so he just created his own swear words? Possibly. And then again, telling us what Thomas is feeling. Thomas was hit with a wave of confusion, blistered with panic. Okay. 
So his eyes adjust and he can see people looking down from the hole in the ceiling, looking down at him and pointing. And it says they were boys, all of them, some young, some older. Thomas didn't know what he'd expected, but seeing those faces puzzled him. What did you expect, Thomas? You wake up with no memories in an elevator shaft that you insist is a room and, and you're seeing faces and you're like, that's not what I expected. What did you expect? So the boys lower a rope down and they yank him up and a storm of emotions wrenched his gut. He wanted to scream, cry, throw up. Show me, don't tell me. And it says the chorus of voices had grown silent, but someone spoke as, okay, so, so they're not silent. Everyone was silent except for that person talking. And so that person says, nice to meet you, skank. No, not skank, shank. Nice to meet you, shank. Welcome to the Glade. And another thing that James Dashner does that's so freaking grating to me is that capitalization of random words, that the words that must be important. So Glade, the G is capitalized. So we know it's, it's the name of the place they're in, I guess. Welcome to the Glade, end of the chapter. And Thomas was like, oh, he knew he'd never forget those words. Okay, nice to meet you, Shank. Welcome to the Glade. Those are the words he'd never forget. And I think it's pretty like overconfident for Thomas to say he'd never forget those words when he has just forgotten everything. He had forgotten everything about his life, but he's like, oh, I can say with confidence that I'll never forget these eight words. I wouldn't be so cocky if all you can remember is your first name. So that was the end of chapter one. We go to chapter two. So he's up out of the hole and he's brushing dirt from his shirt and his pants. And he was consumed with curiosity, apparently. Oh my God, the the language in this book. He was consumed with curiosity, but he still felt too ill to look closely at his surroundings. So he's not even looking around. Oh, but no, then it says his new companion said nothing as he swiveled his head around, trying to take it all in. That was in the sentence directly after the sentence that said he was too ill to look closely at his surroundings. And then he swiveled his head around, trying to take it all in. Well, which is it, James? And as he rotated in a slow circle, the other kids snickered and stared. Some reached out and poked him with a finger. And as I said, I don't have a great memory of this plot, but I do get the suspicion that this happens a lot, that boys are brought into the glade via the elevator shaft from down below quite regularly, or at least it's not the first time it's ever happened. Like all the boys that are there were brought up the same way. So I don't know why they're like, wow, a newcomer. Oh my God, let's poke him. Is he human? Like, yeah. The same thing happened to him that happened to you. I don't get why it's a carnival freak show. And apparently there's 50 of them. 50 boys, all shapes and sizes and races, their hair of varying lengths. <laughs> I love how that's important to point out to us. Like how often do you see 50 people with hair that's not of varying length? How often? Not often at all. I don't know if I've ever seen 50 people with hair of the same length. Maybe if you're at like a bald person convention, I'm not too sure. But no, they all have hair of varying lengths. Just try and picture that. And then Thomas suddenly felt dizzy. Suddenly felt dizzy. He, he was dizzy when he got out of the hole. He's been dizzy. He's been permanently dizzy. He was knocking around in that elevator shaft and now he's spinning his head around trying to take it all in. I thought he was already dizzy. It says Thomas suddenly felt dizzy, his eyes flickering between the boys and the bizarre place in which he'd found himself. It's like, okay, well describe the place for us then. And then, okay, we do get a description. They're in a courtyard, several times the size of a football field. 
surrounded by four enormous walls made of grey stone and covered in spots with thick ivy. The walls were hundreds of feet high and formed a perfect square around them, each side split in the exact middle by an opening as tall as the walls themselves. And from that opening led passages and corridors beyond. So then a scratchy voice said, (laughs) Thomas can't see where the voice is coming from, but a scratchy voice says, look at the green bean, gonna break his shuck neck checking out the new digs. That's as scratchy as I can make my voice. Look at the green bean. Oh, maybe that's what it is. Look at the green bean, gonna break his shuck neck checking out the new digs. And then apparently several boys laughed. Like what, what's so funny? This happens like every day. This happened to you. And someone else says, shut your whole galley. And so then Thomas is trying to focus on the people around him. There's a tall kid with blonde hair and a square jaw and his face was devoid of expression. And then there was a short pudgy boy who fidgeted (laughs) and then a thick, heavily muscled Asian kid. Okay. All right, I, I don't know why we get the race of the Asian kid, but not of the first two people. I don't know if there's just some othering going on. But then, okay, then he says, uh, uh, okay, the fourth boy is a dark-skinned boy. And that was the same person who'd welcomed him. That's the only character trait that he has. The only feature is that he's dark-skinned. Whereas we know that the blondie with the square jaw has a face devoid of expression. And the short pudgy boy, he's fidgeting and he's got wide eyes. But this guy's just dark-skinned. That's all we need to know. Hmm. Hmm. Something to watch there. And so then Thomas says, where am I? And it says he's quite surprised at his own voice. It's the first time he's heard his own voice in salvageable memory. And it didn't sound quite right. It sounded higher than he had imagined. What? (laughs) He'd imagined his voice. And also it's not the first time you've heard your voice. You were screaming. Last chapter, you were in the elevator screaming, help, help, someone help. And now it says, where am I? Thomas asked, surprised at hearing his voice for the first time in his salvageable memory. Well, you've got a short memory because you just spoke not that long ago. Oh, what a shucking idiot. And so then the dark skinned boy, that's again, that's all we know about him. The dark skinned boy says, no, we're good. Just slim yourself nice and calm. And then someone else says, which keeper he gonna get? And keeper is a proper noun. Don't know why. And then a shrill voice says, I told you, Shackface, he's a clunk, so he'll be a slopper, with a capital S. No doubt about it. He's a clunk, so he'll be a slopper. What the fuck does that mean? What does it mean? What does it mean? What does it mean? And then Thomas is confused, and I know that because... The author tells us, Thomas once again felt confusion. (laughs) Hearing so many words and phrases didn't make sense. Shank, shuck, keeper, slopper. He's like, what was this? It was as if his memory loss had stolen a chunk of his language. It was disorienting. Oh, and then, oh, it's time for an emotion update on Thomas. Different emotions battled for dominance in his mind and heart. Confusion, curiosity, panic, fear. I love that we're just listing all of the emotions. Okay, and then let me just read this out. I said, shut your holes, the dark boy yelled. Keep yapping and next break will be cut in half. Okay, dark boy, dark boy. I don't know if that's appropriate. So Thomas is realizing that the dark boy must be the leader because he's the one giving orders. 
And so then Thomas is like, well, I don't want to look at the boys anymore because they have too many varying hair lengths. I'll just keep looking around. So he was getting dizzy. So he said, I'm going to stop looking around. I'll just look at the boys. And now he's like, you know what? I'm going to look around a bit more. (sighs) This is going to be an annoying protagonist. I just know it. So the floor is made out of stone. There's an odd dilapidated wooden building near one of the corners. A few trees surround it. Their roots like gnarled hands digging into the rock floor for food. And another corner of the compound held gardens. And from where he was standing, Thomas recognised corn, tomato plants, fruit trees. Okay, Thomas. You don't even know your last name, but you can recognise fruit trees and tomato plants and you know corn when you see it. And across the courtyard from there, there were wooden pens holding sheep and pigs and cows. Okay, so if it's all... A floor made out of stone. What are the livestock eating? It doesn't seem like there's grass, but there's pigs and cows and sheep, so they must be eating grass. And then he can't see any sign of the sun, even though it's a bright day. So he doesn't know if it's morning or if it's early afternoon or late afternoon. And he's just discombobulated. He doesn't know what time of day it is. I I was led to believe that he did have a strong inner body clock, but I guess he just doesn't know what the time is. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. All right, listen to this. Thomas looked back at his captors, feeling awkward but desperate to ask questions. And then in italics, captors. Huh, why did that word pop into my head? 
I well, I don't know if it it did. It's a third person narrative. You're not the one narrating this. You didn't say captors. It's like he's listening to the narrator talking and he's like, captors, that's interesting. I don't know how the word did pop into his head. And so he's looking at the boys, at their expressions and judging them. And one of them, his eyes flared with hatred. He looked so angry. Thomas wouldn't have been surprised if the kid came at him with a knife. All right, don't know what that's all about. At least I'm intrigued. I'll give James Dashner this. At least I'm intrigued by the direction that the book's heading in. It's not saying a lot, but it's something. And then the leader of the group comes forward. Um, Okay, we do get some more description of him rather than just his skin color. So he's wearing jeans and tennis shoes and a digital watch. Oh, okay. But then, uh, but then the next line says the dark skinned boy, hmm, had short cropped hair, his face clean shaven. Okay. Well, you've already described him as the leader of the group. Do you need to revert back to the dark skinned boy? Seems unnecessary. And so the dark skinned boy, (laughs) he says, it's a long story, Shank. Piece by piece, you'll learn. I'll be taking you on the tour tomorrow. Till then, just don't break anything. Name's Albie. All right, well, why, why do you have to wait to reveal everything? It's a, it's a bright, sunny day, apparently. Why do you have to wait till tomorrow to give him the tour? He's just looked around. It's just a square courtyard with some farming irrigation system or whatever in the corner, some sort of wooden building in the other corner. And, and then that's about it. Like, what's, what's there to see on this tour? Like, there's building up suspense. And then there's also just characters refusing to share information in a point of time where it would have made sense for them to share that information for, for no reason other than to keep us hooked. But it, within the world of the characters, it doesn't make sense. Anyway, so Albie goes to shake Thomas's hand and Thomas refuses, which I think is very rude. They helped you out of an elevator shaft. Yeah, they called you Shank, but you don't even know if that's an insult yet. So shake the guy's hand. Okay, and now it's time for a motion watch. What emotion is Thomas feeling? He's feeling panic. And how do I know that? Because James told us. And Thomas, he says, you know what? Just tell me. If it's a long story, just tell me now. Tell me the long story. And Albie, oh, rolls his eyes. And then Thomas glances at the crowd again. He's always glancing back at that crowd. His original estimate had been close. There were probably 50 to 60 of them, ranging from boys in their mid-teens to young adults like Albie. Okay. And then at that moment, Thomas realized with a sickening lurch that he had no idea how old he was. He was so lost, he didn't even know his own age. And yet he can recognize a tomato plant. And he says, seriously, where am I? So now Albie walks back over. See, Albie, why did you just promise to tell him tomorrow? Just tell him straight up because now you went and sat down and now you got to come back. And Albie says, if you ain't scared, you ain't human act any different and I'd throw you off the cliff because it'd mean you're a psycho. And cliff is capitalized. So, okay, the cliff is important then. And Thomas is like, the cliff? Like he's he's like really shocked and scared. The blood is draining from his face. You just looked around at the whole digs and you didn't see a cliff. Before getting scared, I'd be like, what exactly is this cliff and where is it? And Albie says, shuck it. Oh my God. I'm so sick of the shucks. Ain't no way to start these conversations, you get me? We don't kill shanks like you here. I promise, just try and avoid being killed. Survive, whatever. All right, Albie, well, you did just say you'd throw him off a cliff if he behaved differently. So maybe you do kill shanks? 
I don't know what a shank is, but maybe you do kill them. I'm not too sure. And he also said, ain't no way to start these conversations. You get me? Well, you brought it up. You brought up the cliff. And he says, what's the cliff? And he goes, shuck it. We don't talk about the cliff here. I don't think the guy who doesn't know his own age or his surname was the one bringing it up, Albie. And then Albie must realize that his approach has been a bit shoddy. And he says, man, I ain't good at this. You're the first green bean since Nick was killed. Okay, so I'm assuming green bean means like a younger, newer recruit, which seems a bit on the nose, doesn't it? Like what kind of group of boys, young (laughs) teenage boys, come up with the nickname green bean to refer to themselves? I I don't really think that would be in the lexicon. Shuck it and shank, I can get that. I hate it, but I can get that. But when did they come up with green bean? May as well have called him sweet pea. Oh, you're the first sweet pea we've had around here since Nick was killed. Also, I'm just realizing he did just say, oh, we don't kill shanks around here. We don't kill people. But Nick did just get killed. Doesn't specify how Nick got killed, but yeah, very confronting to tell someone when they have no idea what's going on. They just got here. Be like, oh, hi, welcome. Nick got killed the other day. You'd be like, what What the fuck? Who killed Nick? I can't think of a way to get Thomas more anxious. And so another boy, he comes up and he's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Wait for the tour, Albie. Wait for the bloody tour. Kid's gonna have a bug and heart attack. Nothing even been heard yet. What the hell does that mean? But he's got a point. He's like, you know what? Just like ease him into it. But we have to wait for the tour tomorrow. No, just do the tour now. Kid's gonna have a bug and heart attack. Well, yeah, he's gonna have a great night tonight in mystery, not knowing what's gonna happen until you do a tour. Just, just do it now. So this other guy, he says, name's Newt Greeny, and we'd be all right cheery if you'd forgive our clunk for brains leader here. Clunk for brains. Oh my goodness. It's going to be a long book. And so Thomas reaches out and shakes Newt's hand. I don't know why he's shaking Newt's hand, but he refused to shake Albie's hand. I think it's a racial thing. I think Thomas is racist. You notice how he's never described someone as being white? I think if we don't know what race they are, If it's not specified, then we have to assume that they're white because I think Thomas is racist. And then Albie says, pipe it, shuck face. (sighs) At least he can understand half my words. And then the chorus of boys around him, the dozens of boys, the 50 to 60 boys that are just standing around watching Thomas, they start laughing. Do they not have better things to do? Go and tend to your sheep. So then Albie says, this place is called the Glade. Well, I kind of figured that since you said welcome to the Glade at the end of the first chapter. Albie says it's where we live, where we eat, where we sleep. Yet you generally do those things where you live. We call ourselves the Gladers. That's all you. And then he gets cut off. And Thomas says, who sent me here? But then Albie grabs Thomas by the shirt and says, get up, Shank, get up. Oh, okay. So Thomas must have been sitting down. I don't know. So Albie is pulling him up. I I don't know. I thought Albie was sitting down. I don't know. It says Albie stood pulling Thomas with him. So they're both getting up. What an aggressive way to say, get up, Shank, get up, Shank. Maybe just stand up and gesture and maybe offer a hand to help him get up. This was very aggressive. And also we call ourselves the Gladers. Okay. Very inspired. We live in the Glade and we're called Gladers. Okay, you can come up with a whole new language for swear words, but you can't come up with anything better than gladers. 
So then Albie and Thomas are both standing up. We've got clarity on that. They're both standing up. And Albie says, no interruptions, boy. Whacker, if we told you everything, you'd die on the spot. Right after you clunked your pants. Baggers to drag you off and you ain't no good to us then, are ya? What does it mean? What does it mean? What does it mean? Okay, so whacker, that's a new one. He called him a whacker. Uh, apparently, if they just revealed information to him all at once, he'd die. Not sure that that is how information works. Bit dramatic. Uh, you'd clunked your pants. So, okay, I think clunked means shit yourself. And that would make sense with how uh, Newt said clunk for brains earlier. So clunk is shit. We might have to write down a little vocabulary list. Clunk is shit. Got it. Um, baggers, it'd drag you off. Okay, I think baggers might be a group of beasts, some sort of creature called baggers. Uh, and then you're no good to us. Okay, so Thomas will serve us a purpose. Okay, we learned a lot in that inscrutable sentence. And Thomas says, I don't even know what you're talking about. Again, shocked at the sound of his own voice. And Newt says, Albie, lay off a bit. Albie got really fired up, didn't he? And then Albie says, ain't got time to be nice, Green Bean. Oh no, you've got time to delay the tour for another 24 hours, but we've got no time to be nice. Albie says, old life's over, new life's begun. Learn the rules quick. Listen, don't talk. You get me? Okay. He says, listen and don't talk. But then he asks a question seeking confirmation. Okay, that seems like a trap. And I think Thomas as well was like, I'm not falling for that trap. You just told me not to say anything. And now you're asking me to respond. So he doesn't say anything. And then Newt, he's like, Greeny, um, you get him right. Like respond to Albie. And then Thomas is like, okay. And he just says, yeah. Then Albie says, good that. Oh, first day. That's what today is for you, Shank. Night's coming, runners will be back soon. The box came late today, ain't got time for the tour. What does it mean? What does it mean? What does it mean? And tour is is a proper noun, and box is a proper noun, and runners is a proper noun, and first day is a proper noun. Everything's a proper noun. And so then Albie says, a few weeks, you'll be happy, Shank. You'll be happy and helping. None of us knew Jack on first day. Proper now. You neither. New life begins tomorrow. Okay, so if none of them knew Jack on the first day and they go through this process, let's say up to 50 times, since there's about 60 boys there, why would they have not have just like come up with a plan for like an initiation, for an induction? Just be like, oh, hi, welcome. Here are some quick questions answered. I don't know why they're coming in hot with the shank for brains and the clunkin' and the clankin'. It's as if it's the first time that a boy has ever come up from the elevator shaft. I'm, I'm bamboozled at their lack of preparation. So then everyone walks away and Thomas folds his arms and he takes a deep breath and it's time for an emotion check. He's feeling sadness. And he's saying to himself, what did I do? What did I do? Why'd they send me here? And then Newt, he comes over and he says, Greeny, what you're feeling, we've all felt. We've all had first day come out of that dark box. Okay, so that's not a proper noun. So it must be a different box to the box that was referred to earlier. Newt continues saying, things are bad. They are, and they'll get much worse for you soon. That's the truth. Okay, not very comforting. He started this like it was going to be a pep talk. Being like, oh, we get where you're coming from. 
We've all been there, but also it's going to get much harder. It's going to get worse before it gets better, which isn't that comforting. And then he says, down the road a piece, you'll be fighting true and good. I can tell you're not a bloody sissy. All right, well, that's good. It'd be the worst thing in the world to be a sissy. That's what I don't like about this book. I already know I don't like that it's going to be so, oh, boys are tough. Boys aren't allowed to show emotion because then they're sissies. I hate that. And so then Thomas says, is this a prison? And Newt, he says, Dunn asked four questions, haven't you? That's four, like the number four. I think he's been counting how many questions Thomas has asked, but I think Thomas has asked more than four. And Newt just says, no good answers for you. Not yet anyway. Best be quiet now, except the change. Morn comes tomorrow. As in morning? He says morn. And so, yeah, morning generally happens the next day when you're in the afternoon. Oh, why does he talk? I cannot understand what Newt's saying. I sort of get how Thomas feels. I feel bamboozled. And Thomas is just like, okay. And he just stops asking questions. I'd be like, okay, I don't care if I've asked four questions. I'm going to ask more questions. Oh, and then Newt says, and oh, I'm really going to need to work on this vocab list. Oh. Chuckle be good for you. We little fat shank. But nice sap when all's said and done. Stay here, I'll be back. What does it mean? What does it mean? What does it mean? Yeah, gonna be playing that audio clip a fair bit. Chuck will be good for you. Maybe that's dinner? Wee little fat shank, that means shit. Is Chuck a person? And, and that person is a little fat shit? But, but a nice guy? I don't know. Yeah, maybe Chuck's a person. Okay, so he's going to go get Chuck, who's a fat little shank. But then a sudden piercing scream ripped through the air. Oh, okay. So it ripped the air. I thought it would pierce it since it was described as a piercing scream that ripped. All right, that scream's doing a lot of, lot of action. Okay, so it was a barely human shriek and it echoed across the stone courtyard. And we know how echoes work because it was described to us earlier. And so he realizes that the sound came from the wooden building, which Albie had just walked into, just by the way. And even Newt, he jumped as if startled. So maybe this doesn't happen all the time. And Newt says, shuck it. Shuck it. Okay, well, that's got to been fuck, right? It's got to. Shuck it. Can't the bloody medjacks, medjacks, and that's with a capital M. Could they not just say medics? Again, they know other words. It's not like they're speaking a completely different language, but we have to call them medjacks. <sighs> Can the bloody medjacks handle that boy for 10 minutes? And then Newt says to Thomas, find Chucky. Okay, so it is a person. Find Chucky, tell him he's in charge of your sleeping arrangements. And then Newt just walks off. What? This is why we need an orientation. We need a proper induction to the glade. Guy doesn't even know where he's going to sleep. And now he's got to find Chucky. Chucky? And you didn't tell him what he looked like. You didn't give us a skin color to look out for or a a hair length that would help pick him out from the 60 boys that are living in the glade. No, just go find Chucky. So Thomas is just going to have to walk around the glade shouting out, Chucky, Chucky, Chucky. Poor Thomas. He's just had a horrible experience and no one is ready to help him. It's out bloody rageous. And I blame the medjacks for not being able to handle that boy. Don't know what that's about. Hopefully we'll find out soon what a medjack is and what they're doing to that boy in that shed. So if I were Thomas, I'd be like, all right, well, I better go find Chucky because I need to sleep somewhere. But Thomas just sits down against a tree. 
and he closes his eyes, wishing he could wake up from this terrible, terrible dream. Well, maybe then go talk to Chucky and get a sleeping arrangement and find a bed and sleep in that bed. I wouldn't be sleeping up against a tree in the glade with all of those shucks and shanks around. I mean, Nick got killed the other day, remember? Doesn't seem safe. And so that's the end of the chapter. All right, so two chapters in and a lot of questions remain because they refuse to answer them. This tour, it better happen quick and it better be good and it better be thorough and we better know at the end of that tour what the hell's going on. Like, I don't expect to know everything, but they need to tell us something. Namely, what's a shuck? What's a shank? What's in the box? And why the hell do they talk like that? So let me know your thoughts on the start of Maze Runner and I'll see you guys next week for hopefully some answers. Bye. Send your burning thoughts, frustrations, and grievances on this latest chapter of this shitty book to breakingdownpod at gmail.com or on Twitter at podbreakingdown and Instagram at breakingdownbadbooks. You can visit www.breakingdownbadbooks.com for all the listen links, contact information, merch, and more. To support the show on Patreon and gain access to exclusive ad-free bonus episodes, visit patreon.com slash breakingdownbadbooks. Ratings and reviews on your preferred podcast platform are also a fun, free way to support the show. Breaking Down Bad Books is hosted by me, Nathan Brown, who you can follow on Instagram and Twitter at NathanBrown90. Thanks for listening and happy reading. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.